0: Welcome to Show Me The Proof, Get To The Point, the B2B marketing podcast where we show you the proof in the form of case studies and success stories, and we get straight to the point so you can learn something valuable and get on with your day. Each week, we'll feature a top B2B marketing leader and discuss their revenue-generating strategies. You'll get actionable tips and learn how to accelerate growth through seriously smart marketing. Now it's time to have a look at the proof and get to the point with your hosts and founders of Proofpoint Marketing, Mike and Gabby Grinberg.
1: Welcome to Show Me The Proof Get To The Point. We are so excited to have Jacqueline Mullen today with us on the show. Jacqueline is the Growth Marketing Manager at AspireShip where she manages, oversees and optimizes all things marketing. And the list that Jacqueline is 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 in charge of is what seems like a Herculean task from paid acquisition to own social media, brand awareness, email marketing, strategic partnerships, and pretty much everything in between. So Jacqueline, first of all, we'll have to talk after the show how you do it all. <laughs> we did hire some people, <laughs> thankfully. <laughs> okay, awesome, awesome. And um, and we're just excited to have you here and talk. So Jacqueline, Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm equally
2: as excited to be here. Talking marketing is one of my favorite things.
3: Awesome, and we uh, we're going to chat about something in particular. Obviously, like Gabby said, there's a long laundry list of things that you do, um, but we want to talk specifically about onboarding and the impact that it can have downstream. Um, before we do that, I think I'll, I'd like to have you kind of set the stage for us a little bit um, about what. Aspireship is and sort of what your model is like, because that's going to be very important to understanding the onboarding process uh, and the sequence and whatnot that you've that you've developed so far. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that?
2: Yeah, totally happy to. So in essence, we actually have two components to our business. The first component is that we provide on-demand SaaS sales training 20 to 30 hours of video-based training, immersive training exercises, so on and so forth to help a job seeker or even somebody who's an SDR level up and become an account executive. Now, the other side of the business is that for the B2B podcast, right? Everybody knows that sales and SaaS is one of those functions you're always trying to fill. You're always trying to work on your retention. You're always trying to work on the learning and development of your team and their ability to Meet that quota, exceed that quota. So we actually have companies that come to us and say, I have a heck of a hard time, you know, taking time away from sales, hiring people. You've got this great candidate pool of people that have, you know, been trained. I will pay you to hire them. In addition to that, I will make sure that anybody that's a new hire on my team can also come in and access the ongoing training that you provide. So it's very unique in that way, but also very symbiotic, too.
3: Perfect. So. I think that gives everybody a a baseline understanding of what the onboarding is going to be about. And I think what we're going to talk about specifically is the onboarding for that first part of the business that you talked about, correct? And then if I remember right, when we were talking first, you mentioned since implementing this onboarding process, which you're going to tell us all about, you know, the the number of people actually completing the program has significantly increased. And then also, obviously, that increases your candidate pool and the number of candidates you have to place increases as well. So there's revenue on on the back end there, too. So with that, I'd love to kind of dig in and maybe start with something basic in terms of why did you decide to tackle the onboarding process in the first place? Well,
2: you know, think about self-led training, right? How many of us you know, are willing to sit down for 20 to 30 hours in theory, it sounds great. And then you start and you're like, okay, I got to finish through this thing. In fact, the statistics show, um, that about 60% of people that sign up for online training don't complete for that very reason, the motivation factor. So we knew that it would be significant to our business to not only help people As they're moving through the coursework and encourage them, uh, high touch seemingly, but additionally to learn more about them. Online learning, much like social networking and stuff, what's great about it is obviously you've got the screen and you've got volume, but it can also feel at times a little bit isolating. And we really wanted our students to know that we cared about them and we were really interested to understand their motivation. And that sets us up very nicely for if they do in fact pass the material and pass the course when we're speaking with them we already can think about a hiring partner that might be a great fit for them um, and there's a lot of personalization that we can do by getting this onboarding uh, upfront and learning as much as we can upfront about them as they're moving through this in a self-led fashion.
1: So this show is called Show Me the Proof, and we want to know the proof. So tell us, Jacqueline, what what are some of the, you know, let's kind of, we like to start from the end and then work backwards. What was some of the big, you know, changes or or any stats or some proof that you can show us that this onboarding process did what it was supposed to do?
2: Yeah, I mean the first stat has definitely been in the response rate. I can tell you that, you know, initially when this was created, we were, you know, in year one of the business and it was a much smaller team. Um, but we've literally seen at least a 70% lift in response rate. And it's it's phenomenal. Like, as soon as somebody gets that sequence we know within 24 hours we're going to be hearing from an influx of individuals and we're going to be learning so much qualitative data about them which is key to us being able to go back target come up with blogs content and all that stuff um the other I mean, aspect can pause
3: there for a second so sorry to interrupt but i'm just curious tell us a bit more about that qualitative data because i think that's something that's very often missed by a lot of marketers because we're so a lot a lot of marketers are so trained on, okay, if it's not in my analytics stack or in my attribution platform or whatever, it doesn't matter. And interestingly, the qualitative data is oftentimes more important than the quantitative data. So what kind of information are you getting from, uh, from these email responses and what are you doing with it?
2: I love this question. So first and foremost, people are identifying to us. Uh, we gave them four choices, which I think is really key, right? Um, a, B, C, and D. So people are replying to whether they are a current job seeker, whether they've previously been in sales before but have never had any SaaS experience, whether they just love to learn and they've signed up for that reason, and um, you know I wrote this darn onboarding sequence. So I should know what that fourth one was, but. Um, You know, right away, we're getting them to respond to that. And then there's additional context that they're adding. We ask them an open ended goal, you know, an open ended question. What is your goal with this training? And we're hearing everything from, you know, my family members always told me I'd be great in sales, or I actually have spent, you know, the past five years in retail, specifically jewelry sales and the tech sector really interests me. You know, so that kind of stuff is really valuable for any marketer, as you're saying, Mike, to know. And I actually come from more of like a B2C side of marketing where you always want to know how do people feel? What do people think? What's their motivation? And it's been really refreshing to be able to bring more of that into um, you know, a SaaS environment or a you know B two B company.
1: It's so interesting because um, you know you are not the first guest that we have on this show that is talking about taking insights, ideas, concepts from the B two C side and bringing them into B two B. And it's really exciting because Mike and I also come from a B two C background when we started Proofpoint. We were very deliberate about wanting to focus on B two B for a variety of reasons, but mostly because we we find it fascinating and interesting. But there's something about being in marketing that you kind of go like, mm, "Gosh, I really love that that thing that Target did, or that thing that that you know Nike's doing, or all these you know very big, iconic, and and forward thinking B two C companies." And we say to ourselves, "Gosh, why?" Why is marketing can can sometimes be so lame for the B2B side of things? It doesn't have to be, and it doesn't need to be. And so that's really exciting um, that we keep hearing this a lot on this show from really prominent and and um you know excellent B2B marketers like yourself that are saying, you know what? B2B can be sexy, it can be fun, and we can do things that are outside of the box. So I'm really excited to see that you guys are taking those principles, taking those ideas and, and putting them to good use in your marketing campaigns. You're making me blush. (laughs) Sometimes that happens on this show. That's what
3: Gabby is here for.
1: Sometimes that happens. Sometimes we laugh, sometimes we cry, but mostly we have fun. Um, Well, I want to ask a quick question here. So you're, you know, you put together this onboarding sequence pretty early on into the inception of the company tell us what were some of the challenges both internally that you were trying to overcome as well as externally you kind of shared with us externally that people were just hesitant or it was difficult to get folks to um to self you know motivate through through the sequence through the the self-guided learning but kind of go a little bit deeper on there. What were some of the both internal and external challenges that you were hoping to solve with this process?
2: Yeah, well, I'm happy to share the first internal challenge. I mean, this is this is the nature of a startup, right? Uh, we were doing a test. We were testing something with regard to the time frame that people had to move through the course. And no better time to test than right before you're going on Thanksgiving break. <laughs> so we had about 72 hours to come up with um, the cadence, right? How many emails we wanted to have in this particular sequence. And um, I actually, my background, although it's always been in marketing for the past four to five years, has been on the education side of marketing. So I was an instructor. So here I am thinking to myself, um, you know, we're going into this holiday and how how are we going to be intentional about whether we follow back up with somebody within a 24-hour period or a 72-hour period. I mean, timing is everything with regard to this onboarding. So, you know, I'm a big believer that like the Google Sprint methodology, you know, sometimes having that time constraint is good. And in this case, I had to let go of the, you know, overthinking and the perfectionism. And the other piece of this that made it rather unique is that we have a CEO who is like all hands on deck, our entire team does not say that's not in my scope of work, you know, based on my title. So it was my CEO and I working on this. He was really helping with the automation piece on HubSpot, me more so on the copy side. And then we also, you know, I was sitting right next to uh, my candidate experience team. And these are the people that talk to all of our students and our hiring partners. And by that point, you know here we are november like i said about to go away for holiday break i had just started with the company in september but i would had about 60 days worth of hearing what they were were getting asked over and over and over again so more qualitative data right how could we start to use this onboarding sequence to answer some of those questions up front and still have a lot of that personalization and you know just test this thing right so Um, those were the things that we were, you know, dealing with internally trying to get out the gate. And it just goes to show that when people, you know, really disregard, oh, that's not in my scope or my job title, you can get a lot done and still go on your holiday and have your turkey.
1: (laughs) Well, if that is not the ultimate definition of what startup life, hashtag startup life is all about, then I don't know what is.
3: (laughs) Did you, um... With the kind of with the analysis you did up front, did you kind of already have a set, you know, objective in mind in terms of the types of things that you're trying to solve for? In terms of like maybe it was a short list of like you mentioned five questions that people always ask, and the, if they don't get them answered, then they, um, then they, uh, you know, don't finish the program. Or did, did you have that kind of data to sort of drive uh, some of the decision making?
2: Yeah, really great question and point. I mean. We're talking like even the analysis was, what did we previously have in HubSpot? I was looking at what the open rates were, the click-through rates. Uh, I was also thinking about messaging, right? Where were we trying to drive people towards with that initial sequence, which was about five emails or so? Um, With this time constraint, we were really thinking about, you know, how do we make people feel part of the community? I mean, changing your job and trying to learn a new skill simultaneously in and of itself creates a lot of emotions, right? So how can we show people, number one, who are you and why should I learn from you, right? Number two, Um, If I commit this 20 to 30 hours, it's not a definite guarantee that people are going to pass. Right. And that's a major objection. Here's where my B2B comes in. Like that's an objection I know as a marketer, I need to be able to try to answer up front for somebody so that they see the value in that time investment. And then additionally, if people need more time. Right. It's not the primary product that we lead with. But not everybody can finish a class or, you know, on-demand training in in 30 days, which is, you know, we say do it for free in 30 days because we have jobs for you. And the job doesn't last six months. But if people need additional time for very low fee, we say, hey, you can upgrade. So we had to include that verbiage and that information in there as well and, and explain to people that hey, you know this is here if you need it. We really wanna be able to put you in this new role and it's possible. People are getting this done in 17 days and they're starting a new career. So there was a lot of information that we were trying to spread out and we ended up incorporating case studies, um, a lot more quotes from people that did get the subscription that were like, this has been the best thing I've ever done. And then the balance of it all is how do you not sound like an infomercial? So that was like the final piece that we added on.
3: So, um, you kind <clears> of <throat> excuse me. You kind of told us some of the, uh, some of the basics or whatnot that's included, but I wonder if you can describe in more detail what what is the what was the onboarding sequence like before, and what does it look like now?
2: Yeah, before it was like, "Hi, how are you? Tell us what you'd love. You know, tell us why you're here." Open-ended question, which. As an instructor, you're like, you have to give people example A, B, or C. As a marketer, you're always going to get more response when you can give people A, B, or C. I believe the second email, you know, was like, Do you need more time? Or, you know, do you have any questions? Um, let us know if we can answer them for you. The third email definitely spoke to the trial is running out soon. And then that last email was like, the trial's running out. Um, do you need more time? If so, you can upgrade. And all of that was great to get it going, right? But then we took a step back and we're saying to ourselves, okay, what's the value, right? And why somebody might want to um, upgrade. We added a component where people could actually meet with us called a launch and learn and ask us questions um, for, you know, 30 minute sessions. So we really increased number one, the amount of emails that we had, but they weren't, you know, just info dumping on people. We were really trying to facilitate a lot more, Uh, qualitative engagement on our side, as well as information, and then helping us, you know, I hate to, the reason why you see a little bit of hesitancy is again, because a normal business is like, yes, I want you to buy, you know, after the trial, I want you to subscribe. Whereas we're like, hey, I just want you to know that this is an option. And um, usually that would be my KPI as a marketer, right? How many people did you get to convert and upsell or subscribe? And in this case, it's You know, how many people are we actually getting to graduate or respond to our email so that we can get on a phone call with them and like move them through if there's a problem with the curriculum. So just to
3: confirm from a business model perspective, because I think that's important in this case, is it critical for you guys to get the individuals to kind of upgrade to a, a to paid subscription or is the majority of your revenue coming on the back end through the, through the placement piece?
2: Yeah, we just need them to graduate, right? There's so much more for us when they graduate and we can place them with a hiring partner. Another way we've described it is, you know, we think of it as our hiring partners subsidized the cost of training, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really about, hey, can we place you in this job? We, we want to place you in these jobs. We're breaking down the traditional you have to have X amount of years to be successful in SaaS mold with people getting jobs from fitness, people that have been in the music industry before. So that's why this is like really, you know, important to us. If you could tell I drank the Kool-Aid because I really believe in reskilling and helping people land these very lucrative positions, even if they've never sold something before in their
1: life. I'm wondering if you have a little example or something tucked away inside your memory palace of like you know some feedback that somebody may have given you based on the email sequence maybe a participant or somebody who was considering and they and they got kind of into the onboarding sequence i'm wondering if you have just a little anecdote about what somebody has said and and kind of that brings to life what you were trying to accomplish through the sequence of emails
2: that's a really great thing to bring up so i The first time, and there's been many instances, the first time we had somebody say, I have never had an onboarding sequence like this before. I'm in sales and I feel so supported and I'm blown away. I remember doing a little silent, yes, at my desk, right? And since then, I have had the most amazing stories of people. A lot of times it's people that during the pandemic were out of work very felt very much felt like they were down on their luck knocking on all these doors applying to postings on LinkedIn no response all of a sudden they they sign up for our training and we're like hi, what's your motivation We want to get to know you we also have a video which I think is key right These are not like static emails we have a lot of different content that we're using but one is a, a, a video sequence and they're like thank you so much for taking time out to get to hear you know to, to learn more about me. And what does that say, Gabby? I mean, it tells you probably, for me, it told me how overlooked, you know, we talk a lot about personalization, but do we actually do it in marketing or, or are we so busy with the deliverables and the need to get five emails out over, you know, a 14 day period that we don't, for, we forget that we're talking to real people and that emotion with just a simple open-ended question is there. Um it, so
1: no i i so in my role here at proofpoint i am um it's funny for me to say this because i haven't yet put it on linkedin so i'm 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 like nervous about it but my role is chief experience officer and i look at you know ultimately what i'm responsible for is are the touch points coming in and out of the company both with internal team like our 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 proof pointers, our employees, as well as clients, vendors, partners, etc. And for me, there's nothing more important, both as a consumer and as a marketer, those touch points. What are you experiencing with the company? What are you hearing from them? What are you learning from them? What are they giving you? What are they asking you? And I think that especially in SaaS, and I would say probably also in uh well, well in B2B in general, oftentimes. We spend a lot of time in the sales process because we have to, because we just have to. There's some pretty decent amount of time spent in, in customer service if something goes wrong or if it's time for renewal, but then everything kind of in between, eh, depending on the kind of business you're running or the model that you have, sometimes we forget that we're actually dealing with real people. And those touch points, you know, once you've secured the deal, once you've secured the client, those touch points afterwards are so important and so critical to the, really, the, the life cycle of the client, their success with with your product or service. And um, I think, you know, you asked me, what does that tell you? That tells me that in general, as marketers, we need to be doing a better job of nurturing our leads once they become a client. Once we've, you know, completed the sales cycle, what does the actual, cycle look like once they become a client. And so I love that that was one of the first things that you guys thought about and really put effort into. And that has clearly made a difference, not only for you know your, your revenue model, but also in the experience that your clients are having with Aspireship. Making me blush yep. again. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Just to un- underscore that, I think, Gabby, what you said is the, you know, usually when we think about lead nurture, it's in that, you know, initial kind of phase when you're trying to get a customer, but I think it's, it's important to think of, you can be nurturing after the fact too, and you should be. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's, that's really important. Um, yeah, did you have a question?
1: No, I was gonna say, is it time for us to get to the point?
3: Um, before we go there, I was uh, I was going to ask a couple of things. So you know, we talked about um, the obviously the, the email the email sequence. Is there anything else you're doing Are there? Any other touch points? Like, is there are you sending them anything? Is there any direct mail going out? Is there anything else from a uh, from an experience perspective?
2: That's a great question. Um, so what we've added into the fold as of I want to say Q two. We do have somebody on our team now. We've been growing, who after you know the cadence kicks off, um, now as an additional layer of personalization. That's Katie on my team. So you know the beauty of the software, right, is volume and scalability, and um, it does allow for somebody to you know come in there and dig deeper, or just say, hey, you know they've seen her on video, which is so nice, and um, to have that follow up interaction. Not only is that through email, but we're also doing this across our social channels as well. So we will make it a point to go on LinkedIn and add a a personalized, you know, connect message there, um, which which people are like, oh, wow, you guys know I exist. (laughs) Okay, you know, quite different from some of the other online classes. So
3: is it the same person that's uh, kind of on the intro videos that then goes and does uh, personalized outreach. And then it's her video that's sent as the, is she the one that's sending the LinkedIn connections as well?
2: So in the personalized video, it's actually the the, the department. So our candidate experience department, which is comprised of three people. And because they all say their names, right? um, When Katie goes to follow up with them, people are like, oh, I know who you are. <laughs> I've seen you from the video. The the crazy thing to, um, you know, going back to what Gabby asked is that a lot of people don't realize and, and not that I want to like spill our secret, but they think it's coming in real time. I mean, that's how, you know, relatable we wanted this to be. But they're like, thanks for your email. Great to hear from you. So I think a lot of people are still unaware of the fact that this is, you know, scheduled based on their actions and whatnot. But like, you know, all we're just happy that that's how people feel from, from this. And then we get that additional social interaction as well. That's actually something
3: else, I guess, maybe to dive into just slightly is the, the sequences, I think you just said, are based on their interactions. It's not just timed. It's based on what they're doing within the program.
2: As, as we're talking this through, there have been some additional you know, checkpoints that we've used. Like if somebody stalls the coursework, we're like, okay, we can't just keep moving them down this path. So onboarding sequence 2.0, you know, 2.5 was now how do we get them to re-engage with the content? The whole if then across HubSpot. We even have a sequence for people that make it to that 30 days that have never done anything that's custom to them. So we are adding those if-thens based on what we've learned um, and based on what we see if they stall.
3: Very cool. Um, and then this is more maybe forward-looking, I don't know, but obviously you've tackled your onboarding process for the students or the candidates. Are you also now, or maybe you already have tackled the onboarding process for the program uh, potential partners in terms of where you're you're placing candidates?
2: That right now is handled by Alexis on our team. So we haven't done anything in terms of onboarding there yet. Um, Any lead that comes in, you know, Alexis reaches out to them the good old fashioned way, email, set up a phone call. Um, I anticipate that in the future. And I think We would probably do that in tandem with even going back and looking at the sequence, right, and saying on the top of funnel candidate side, what else could we do to level this up while also building out what we need to do on the B2B partnership side.
1: But I anticipate that happening very soon.
3: (laughs) All right, putting you on the spot.
1: Well, Jacqueline, you showed us the proof. Now let's get to the point. So anyone listening at home who's you know I'll, you know it's funny because people you know you, you you turn into tv shows and radio shows and whatever they say don't do this at home well we're the opposite we say do this if you're a b2b marketer we're bringing you smart intelligent wonderful people that have great success stories do this at home do this at work so um for our audience listening out there today let's break it down for them and have and kind of help us understand how can they do this at home so um let's talk about initially you talk. you told us that it was you and your ceo that were putting together the first batch of of emails but it's definitely evolved over the over the couple of years you've mentioned that so kind of tell us um what are the different types of roles or different um personnel on your team that have have been involved in this initiative. And then also let's talk about some of the tools that you're using to execute this initiative.
2: Yeah. I mean, so when it first was rolled out, I believe, you know, my CEO was the only person um, and he did work with uh, the sole person in our candidate experience team at that time, Caitlin. And then when I came on the team, it was Corey and myself, you know, dividing and conquering copy with the technology and then bringing in Um, our candidate experience team to write their own script and shoot their own video. So you have about five, maybe six people at, you know, the stage of the onboarding right now, believe it or not, like the first tool, I think it's so important to start with that we often overlook is those customer conversations and going back to using like Google sprint as our baseline. I think what becomes really overwhelming for the copywriter or the marketer is, you know, how many people do I have to talk to? Or perhaps it's even just gleaning your you know, data like on social comments and things that you see, um, which I know the episode with Brooklyn Nash on content marketing will be a great thing for people to go back to and listen. Um, but it really started with me, you know, five people, right? Like Google's, Google Design Sprint is based on talk to five people. So once I understood um, five people and I could picture those people, the next tool in my stack before the automation was actually Google Docs or using Google Drive. Brooklyn also talked about that. But I literally laid out in a Google Doc, okay, how many of these um, you know emails do we currently have? And I believe the initial were like four or five. And I was like, okay, now if I'm trying to accelerate people moving through this, how many do I need? What do I need? So if you can think of it as almost like a mind map, and perhaps people have this as their best practice, but I'm a big... Get it down on paper in a brain dump, and then you can build the structure. You can build the framework. It's a little bit harder, at least in my experience, to build the framework and then figure out what needs to be said and how it needs to be said. Um, our additional tool that we use, you know, HubSpot CRM, which was great. Of course, there's so many different CRMs that are out there. And a last one that I think is a little bit fun, and it's going to add that you know personalization piece is Giphy or Jiffy, however you pronounce mm-hmm. it. But Uh, Because we're dealing with consumers, we wanted to add some humor into some of these emails. And so I did not hesitate to put like a Seinfeld GIF and some other stuff in there.
1: Or or Schitt's Creek, which is a favorite over here. (laughs) Yes, yes, I love it too, Moira, Moira. (laughs) Moira and David, oh my God, I love that show. Well, quick question. So you talked about video and copywriting. And so are these, are these, skill sets or people that you have internally at Aspireship, or did you work with outside partners? That's a great question. So I'm shaking
2: my head like, no, we do not work with outside partners. I mean, the video was filmed, you know, basically uh, not point and shoot, right? For those that may not be familiar, but you have a tripod and you have a high resolution camera and you literally, you know, put your video on. So the good news is um, depending upon your budget size, you don't have to go out there and have a you know video production company if you can great um, in terms of the script for the particular video that was shot that was actually developed by the candidate experience team and uh, no copywriting there but obviously dealing with um, our candidates over and over again like great communication skills which i think is something that can trip a lot of people up and then um, in terms of the content that did all come from me um, you know and i just really tried to be thoughtful about if i was to sit down and have a cup of coffee with this person that i'm writing this to what would i say how would i say it and really try to watch you know the verbiage and the vernacular and like the overspeak and really also try to point them directionally i think we can get really excited about ctas in these types of sequences and i tried to be less you know cta 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 and more what information can I give somebody that's going to excite them to go and take action? So there's a little bit of um, psychology in there as well.
1: Yeah, yeah. And you mentioned gifies, which we love, and you know we can we can go on and on about gifts. One of the things that I have always wanted to do we haven't we haven't done it, but curious if this is something you might consider is actually using. Um, your team, you know, you mentioned you have three individuals in the... Candidate
2: experience. I, I often say candidate experience, candidate success. I will probably, you know, get my hand slapped if I said the
1: wrong one. But yeah. So the candidate, you have you have three individuals, part of the candidate su- experience team that are part of the videos. And also um, someone on your team, Alexis, who's actually going on LinkedIn, making those personalized connections. Have you thought about doing some actual um, personalized gifs with the folks on your team to kind of even further uh, kind of push that that personalization and that recognition forward. So we've done this on the
2: owned content side with one of our superstar instructors, Skip Miller. And uh, I have this whole funny thing about like Skip on a ship. And uh, if you're not familiar with Skip Miller, he is a phenomenal sales trainer, author, I mean, the guy, you just can't help but take down notes every time he speaks. And so I was like, wouldn't it be hilarious when we bring him back uh, for our live classes if we had skipping a gift? (laughs) And so sure (laughs) enough, we made it. And I put it up there and my CEO looked over at me. We were in our little area that we call the pit one day in the office. And he's like, so, you know, I, I encourage everybody to like you said, Gabby, we we are dealing with people, and people want to laugh. People want to be entertained. I mean, of course, there's a time and place in business for, you know, I, we don't want to go push the envelope too hard. But like, who doesn't enjoy a good laugh, right? So go gif yourself. And I I forgot what tool we used, but it was pretty easy using. Um, it may have even been Giphy. We had video of Skip teaching, and sure enough, I was able to add the
1: text overlay. And but I'll do it for my team. They know I will. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So we talked a little little bit about some of the tools that you're using. Definitely Google Docs, right? I mean, we hear that constantly. We uh, operate on a Google platform as well. So everything is Google Docs. And are you using, did you say HubSpot for the email sequences? Okay, awesome. Um, And then everything is done in-house, which is phenomenal, from the video to the content writing and then some of that additional personalization. Um, Jacqueline, what other tips or tools or pieces of advice would you give to anyone listening today that's that's you know has a similar business model or or a an opportunity where they would want to create personalized onboarding sequence for their product or service. What tips or tools or advice would you give them in kind of undertaking this type of an endeavor?
3: Well, and one other specific thing I want to ask you before we go there is you mentioned, customer interviews, how many did you you do? Because I know that's sometimes uh, uh, something that holds people back. It's like, oh, well, we're going to need to do a whole bunch of these. And that's not usually the case. So I'm curious, how many many did you do? And did you feel that was enough?
2: This time last year, I read Google's book Sprint. Who knew this would turn it like Google needs to give you guys uh, some advertising revenue here. Um, But in reading that book Sprint, it helped me especially coming from that qualitative side where you're used to doing focus groups and feedback groups. And it's like 30 people in a room narrow down to five, you just need five people to talk to. And now some people that are a little bit more on the, you know, quantitative side will say, Oh, that's not a big enough sample size. I mean, that's not what we're looking for here, right? We're looking for how do people feel? What do they think? What's motivating them? So after I, I overheard my candidate experience team on the calls with the graduates and started interacting with them, and then was also doing my social listening across Slack, LinkedIn, um, and things of that nature. Five was enough for me to go, okay, we know. And that really lends itself nicely into, um, you know, what does somebody do at home? I mean, paralysis or analysis paralysis is gonna be your worst enemy with this sort of thing, right? And so the sooner you can get this rolled out and observe and learn and then not set it and forget it, but say, okay, what time are we putting in the calendar to, you know, bring this up a notch? How, you know, what are we going to learn? What are we going to gain from this information? And how are we going to personalize further? Um, the, The better the experience will be and the results will be. And so I think those things are actually really critical. And then The other piece that hangs a lot of people up is, is my writing good enough? Right. And it's the same thing probably for people that are going into sales. They think that they have to be this like extrovert and, you know, very persuasive. And I go back to, you know, could you have a, what would you say in a conversation with somebody over a cup of coffee? Record yourself saying that and dictate that to the paper. Let, you know, we have all these apps that can do that or literally type out, have somebody ask you the questions, record yourself and answer them. Um, it is hard to write like you talk, but it's like anything else, the, the more you do it, the better you'll get at it. Writing is a muscle. Great writers aren't born that way. It comes from a lot of staring at the screen, like what the heck am I gonna say? Um, you know. And then the last piece of this, which I think this podcast you know embodies and demonstrates so well is get feedback from other marketers for crying out loud we're like oh my god my pride i'm so scared to go show another marketer <laughs> let another marketer tell you it's crap let them poke holes in it let them tell you it's great but by golly talk to another marketer and get their insight because if there's one thing we do really well in this community whether we're B2B or B2C is we care about each other Um, And we want to help each other grow. And we we do that by sharing best practices like we're doing
1: today. I love everything that you've said so far, but for sure, the last few points really resonate with me. And I want to just kind of underscore them for everyone listening, especially those in the back. So first and foremost, what Jacqueline said was don't get hung up, right, on perfection, paralysis by analysis. Get going, move, put something out there, even if it's not your best work, even if it's not something that you are um, fully in, on board with, right, just put something out there. And I know as a recovering perfectionist, that has always been a challenge for me. But, you know, first and foremost, Jacqueline, what you said is get something out there. Second, which I love even more, is you said put a date on the calendar when you're going to revisit that initiative and say, okay, what did we learn? What did this teach us? What were some of the insights that we can take and now make this better? Um, And I think one of the biggest lessons that I've learned from marketing that has trickled into my life, really, instead of the other way around, is that as marketers, our jobs are never done. There's always room for improvement. There's always opportunities to do things better, stronger, faster, prettier, whatever adjective you want to add there. As marketers, we can always improve. And I think that I would venture to say that people out there, that's what they expect they expect that there's going to be improvement. They expect that there's going to be a 2.0, a 3.0. So number one, don't get hung up on perfection. Number two, come back, re, you know, reiterate, revise, and add some learnings to what you're doing. And last but not least, Jacqueline, I love this. I love it. Talk to other marketers. Create camaraderie build connections, build relationships. And if that's not what it's all about, then by golly, why are we even doing it? Why are we even in marketing if we're not talking to one another, right? Oh, I love it. Well, Jacqueline, it is time for the lightning round. I'm ready. Awesome. <laughs> all right, let's dive in here. Um, Mike, do you wanna kick us out?
3: All right, so uh, question number one, what's the main KPI you use to evaluate marketing success?
2: customer satisfaction, word of mouth, word of mouth, social mentions specifically. Okay.
3: Uh, what's a new marketing strategy or tactic that you're looking forward to testing out this year? Instagram reels. You're not going to go with TikTok?
2: I was going to say TikTok, but if I say it, we got to <laughs> do it. We're, we're still watching TikTok, so we're, we're definitely okay. Instagram reels over the summer. Mark my words.
3: All right. Uh, what's a tool or platform you use in your work that you couldn't live without? Slack. I'll say Slack. Uh, what is your least favorite business word or phrase?
2: Oh goodness, ah, brass tacks.
3: <laughs> brass tacks. That's a first for the for the show, but yeah. that's a good one. Yeah, I don't not a fan of that one either. <laughs> what is your favorite podcast? Uh,
2: I definitely do enjoy Ad Week CMO Moves. Yeah, it was lightning round, so Ad Week CMO Moves. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
3: And along those same lines, what is your favorite business or marketing book?
2: Oh gosh. Well, right now I'm reading Brene Brown's um, Dare to Lead. And by far th- that book is hitting me in the soul. And so I have to go with that um, just because, yeah, it's, it's blowing my mind in ways I didn't know it. My heart and my mind could be
1: blown and expanded. Yes.
3: All right. And Last but not least, uh, or at least last for me, I know Gabby usually comes up with some creative stuff. Uh, Who is a B2B marketing expert that you admire on LinkedIn?
2: Oh, there's so many, Um, you know, Brooklyn, like I said, when I saw he was on your podcast, um, he was put on my radar earlier this year. Also Chris Walker, you know, Chris Walker was somebody that this time last year I had no idea who he was, but my gosh, every time the man puts up a LinkedIn video, I'm like, mic drop, yes. Brooklyn, Chris. Um, But there are several others that unfortunately we don't have enough time for me to
1: list. (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. Well, we love Brooklyn for sure. And Chris is one that his name keeps popping up quite frequently and we would agree. He's awesome too. Um, All right. Bonus questions. Here we go. So you are based in one of our favorite, favorite cities, Scottsdale, Arizona, and kind of doing some sleuthing and looking up on you. It sounds like you and your husband and you have a fur baby. You guys love to do some hiking. So what is your favorite place to hike in the Scottsdale Phoenix area?
2: Oh my gosh. So believe it or not, um, there's an area called the Superstition Mountains. And if you look up the hieroglyphic trail, uh, this was a new area that we checked out. We do have this park pass that you can get from Maricopa County, but um Superstition Mountains are beautiful. And that hieroglyphic trail, you're like, wow, I really am in Arizona. <laughs> yes,
1: I think we did that one.
2: Yeah, we we, we did, that yes.
3: That's probably my favorite. So we well, we didn't do the hieroglyphic trail. We did uh, siphon yeah. draw. We didn't we didn't get all the way all the way down, but that was the the last time we were there, we did that. It was it was amazing. It's one of my pretty sure my, my phone background is that there's that little, um, it's like the, the old, uh, like the mining town or whatever that's yes. by there. Yes. Yeah. So I got, I got a sunset photo from right over there on my, as my phone background.
1: Uh, hashtag orange sky. That's, that's <laughs> Arizona right there. Hashtag orange sky. That's what I learned every time we go to Arizona. If you're in Arizona and you're on Instagram, orange sky, just saying. I love Arizona. Um, okay, my next question. What is your favorite restaurant in Scottsdale? Because we're foodies and we have to know. So this one is in
2: Chandler, Arizona, and it's actually called the Sicilian Butcher. And when you call up, they're like, hey, it's the Sicilian Butcher. So I'm from the East Coast living out here and parents are from New York. Um, amazing food and a build your own cannoli. Oh
0: so my God. you get to
1: custom create a cannoli. Yeah. You had me at cannoli. Mike, we're going.
3: (laughs) 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 Might have to make a trip just for that.
1: I'll meet you there. (laughs) Okay, let's do it. Uh, I understand you went to the University of Miami. Go Canes. And you majored, right? I have cousins that are from Miami and they live and breathe everything you Miami. It's like disgusting. But I get it. I get it. Um, You majored in music, which is kind of interesting because now you're in marketing. Um, do you play any musical instruments?
2: I actually sing. So majored in music business with a minor in marketing. And okay. Before the internet totally came in and overnight put us from CDs to MP3s, not to age myself. That's, I thought I was going to be doing uh, marketing artists and development or even songwriting in the music
1: industry. Wow. Wow. That's something we did not know about you and exciting to learn. Um, We're not going to put you on the spot to sing, but if you feel inclined to do so, this is your, the state, this is your oyster. The the stage is your oyster here. Um, All right. Last question for you. I know that you've spent a lot of time in adult education and Aspireship is also kind of Uh, well, not kind of, it is adult education. Um, What piece of advice would you give individuals that are looking to get into SaaS sales right now um, during this kind of post, almost post COVID world that we're living in? And we know a lot of people are changing jobs, looking to level up, looking to uh, make some changes in their career. What's one piece of advice that you would give to anyone listening out there that may find themselves in that position?
2: I mean, I'll tell you what, I previously had no idea what, you know, SaaS sales, like what what it actually entailed, right? Um, But I think at first glance, you're like, everybody seems to know everybody and it's a big, small world. It is one of the most inclusive communities I've ever seen before in my life. Um, In addition to that, a lot of people, I think, Get hung up on oh I have to start as you know I have to start at this SDR position or you know I really want to go into SaaS and like make these buku dollars that I hear about but don't underestimate the amount of skills and professional growth and transformation you're going to undergo just by stepping your feet on this path alone. I mean my marketing game from September to now has. 10x and I don't even use words like 10x or you know things like that but it's all because I'm around you know these SaaS sales professionals and I'm learning that just what sales entails and it is very relational it very much is you know how can you learn and improve and not in a way where um you doubt yourself or yeah there's quotas and numbers and things that you need to hit as far as your metrics are concerned but I guarantee you that if you start on this path the person that you that you become and the potential that you have, you're gonna be like, I, I had no idea that this amount of growth at this level of acceleration was possible for me.
1: That's amazing. Yes, I I can say uh, unequivocally, Mike and I needed to level up our sales game. We're lifelong marketers. Um, we come from you know traditional B2C, we've worked in agency, startup, corporate uh, before starting Proofpoint. We lived and breathed marketing, and um, when you own a business, you have to really get good at sales. And we we leveled up, and we took some we took a, a, a sales uh, training given by a, a one, one somebody who was on our podcast, who ended up becoming our friend now. I'll give him a shout out, Mikhail Bador of Closers Media. And uh, I can unequivocally agree with you, Jacqueline, that um, when you learn about sales, when you level up, when you understand really what it is. Uh, especially as a marketer, but really in any any career, in any level of your career, it will significantly impact your ability to understand business, understand business objectives, and just be a better all-around professional in your career. So totally agree with you there. Um, And for those that are listening and that are thinking about a career in sales, Uh, go to Aspireship, aspireship Aspireship.com. Jacqueline, we had such a delightful time with you on the show, and I'm totally taking you up on that cannoli. Thank you for joining us on the show. Where can our listeners connect with you? Yeah, like many people have probably said on
2: the show, LinkedIn for sure, and uh, a little flair for you. I'm linkedin.com forward slash in forward slash Jacqueline of all trades, although I'm delegating those now. Um, but it would be my you know, true pleasure to connect with everybody. And who knows, maybe one of these days, you'll see me on LinkedIn Live dropping a few notes uh, as I do in the office for my team, keeping them quite entertained, but LinkedIn would be great. Um, yeah, and just really appreciate the opportunity to come on here and you know, practice what you guys demonstrate and also share what we're doing at Aspireship as well. So on behalf of our team, thank you so much for the opportunity.
1: Oh my goodness. Thank you. thank you, it. thank you. Well, Jacqueline, We're glad to have you. You showed us the proof. You've gotten to the point. And that's a wrap on this show. We'll see everyone here next Wednesday. Thank you, everyone.
0: Thanks for tuning in to the Show Me the Proof, Get to the Point podcast. Join us weekly for new episodes and seriously smart B2B marketing success stories. We'll show you the proof and get to the point every time. Find additional resources on the Proofpoint website, www.proofpoint.marketing, including the full episode library with show notes, guides, templates, and more great resources. If you like this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And please leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts.